بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على خير خلق الله وعلى آله والصحب ومن ولا أما بعد أيها الإخوة الكرام والأخوات الكريمات لو مو برادرز اللي تفسير الإسلام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We seek his aid and assistance Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides None can misguide And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala misguides None can guide I bear witness that none has the right to be worshipped Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone Without any partner And that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Is his final prophet and messenger Sent to all of mankind As for proceed Then tonight inshallah we will divert I'll focus a bit and we will focus on a very very important and pertinent topic that is extremely relevant to us on this particular night and that is the reality regarding Laylatul Isfa Sha'ban the reality regarding the celebration of the 15th night of Sha'ban and to begin this discussion we need to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in his book in Surah Al-Ma'idah and he says اليوم أتممت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. The Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told us regarding the sacred religion which we worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala by way of. He said, اليوم أتممت لكم دينا. This day I perfected for you your religion. And this was the ulama said this ayah was revealed on Hajjatul Wada, right? On Hajjatul Wada, the fair. The Prophet says, Fiwal Hajj. Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. This day I perfected for you your religion. Wa atamamtu alaykum ni'matu. And I perfected my favor upon you. Wa raditu lakum al-Islam deenan. I am pleased with Islam as a way of life and a religion for you. Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala said regarding this verse, Ma lam yakun yawma idhin deen. He said that which was not deen on the day when this ayah was revealed, it will never ever be religion. And we asked this question before, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has perfected something, can you add to that? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has completed something, can we subtract from it? No, Allah's perfection is the greatest perfection. And this, each and every single believer, sinner and salih, and the righteous person will affirm as a foundation in our deen that our religion is complete and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfected it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfected it by sending to us a prophet. Right? So whosoever obeys this prophet enters Jannah and whosoever disobeys him will enter the Al-Fayr. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a scholar mentioned, he said, خَلَقْنَا وَرَزَقْنَا وَلَمْ يَتْرُكْنَا هَمْلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. And he sustained us with many forms of sustenance and the greatest form of sustenance is the risk of iman and righteous actions okay but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not leave us in the lurch rather he sent to us messengers and he sent to this nation the prophet muhammad and so whomsoever obeys him into paradise and whomsoever disobeys him into zalfire so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us a revelation this revelation was the blueprint of which the Prophet Muhammad came to teach us. So he was the medium between us and Allah in the sense of Risala, in the sense of the message. Okay? The Prophet Muhammad also said in a hadith reported in Bukhari and Muslim 
man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu fahuwa raddun the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that whomsoever introduces into this affair of ours meaning fi dinina into our religion that which is not from it will have it rejected another narration also in bukhari and muslim the prophet muhammad said man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa raddun that whomsoever does man amila amalan this is at'am in terms of uh, islamic legal theory this this hadith at'am meaning general man amila amalan whomsoever does a single action laysa alayhi amruna it is not conformity with our affair meaning our religion fahuwa raddun it will be rejected and so these ayat and a hadith tells the believer that he should, should be very diligent with regards to establishing the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stipulated conditions for the acceptance of worship. And when it comes to life in this world, we understand this concept very well. If you apply to a university, you make sure that you meet the criterion for that university. Right? So you apply to UCT, your grades need to be very good. If your grades are standard, you're not going to go apply to UCT, correct? And we can go on and on regarding this concept. But when it comes to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should be more diligent in this regard. Because Allah has stipulated conditions for the acceptability of acts of worship. As Allah said, لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلَكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you to test you. Whom are you are best in action? And here we need to stop. Allah did not say أَكْثَرُ amala. Those of you who do the most action. But rather Allah said أَحْسَنُ amala. Those of you are best in action. And any person go to the tafsir or Ibn Kathir and other tafsir they can check up the meaning of this ayah. But the best tafsir was by a scholar called Fudal Ibn Iyad or Hassan al-Basri. And he said that أَحْسَنُ amala means that those actions that are done with the most sincerity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those actions that is the most in conformity with the sunnah of Rasulullah so this is the sharat asasi this is the foundational condition for the acceptability of actions must be firstly done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and this is the essence of tawheed and secondly it must also be in conformity with the sunnah of Rasulullah And so, if any of these conditions is forfeited, the action will not be accepted. So a person can be extremely sincere. And he says, today I'm going to worship Allah. And this actually occurred in the time of the Prophet He said, today I'm going to worship Allah. Taking an oath to worship Allah by standing in the sun. Not seeking shade. And I will fast as well. And I will also worship Allah by way of standing. Okay? When the Prophet saw this person, he asked, what is with this person? The companion said, this person took a nazar, he took an oath. That he would worship Allah by way of standing. That he would fast and he would not seek shade. So the Prophet told the companions, order him to sit down, seek shade and continue his fasting. So this person was extremely sincere. He wanted to please Allah by way of this action. So he thought that if I fast, and if I make fasting difficult upon me, more reward. But however, the only action that was in conformity with our Sharia was what? Was fasting. Okay? 
For example, not seeking shade at certain times is an ibadah, but at a specific time. And when is this? On Arafah, right? That you exert yourself in worship on that day, but not standing in the sun, but because it's extremely hot, you have patience upon the ibadah of Allah and you worship Him by way of that. Okay? Secondly, standing. When you're standing in active worship. Salah, right? Qiyam is a, it's a rukun of salah. That you must stand, it's a pillar of salah, that you must stand in salah. So sometimes, standing is an act of worship, but in prescribed times. Thirdly, the person says that he took an oath to fast. The Prophet told him that he should seek shade, he must sit down and continue his fast. Why? Because fasting was the only action that was legislated for him. So we come back to the conditions of acceptability for worship. A person is sincere, he wants to please Allah, like on this night. Many people go to the masjid. And now if you ask the average youth why he goes, he does not know anymore. And this is the reality is that knowledge will be lifted and removed. Even that these practices are not based upon knowledge as we'll see this evening. They just know that tonight they need to be in the masjid. Why? Allahu A'lam. And this is like the snowball effect. And ignorance will become greater and greater as time goes on. So the second condition for acceptability of actions is it must be in conformity with sunnah. So a person, for example, says on Eid al-Adha, the Eid of Sacrifice. I'm going to slaughter an elephant for the sake of Allah. Why? Because the elephant is rare, it's big, it costs a lot of money, I have to import it, I have to source it, etc. They say they get a license for it, so I'm going to spend a lot in the path of Allah and it's great in reward. But we know that sacrifice for the sake of Allah, only certain ajnas, certain types of animals, it is prescribed for us to slaughter. Right? And it is goats, sheep, etc., etc. So if a person says he's extremely sincere and he wants to slaughter elephant for the sake of Allah, actually is not accepted. Why? Because not to conform to the sunnah of the Prophet And so from this foundation, we move forward with our discussion this evening. And for the reason being that people always say that we attribute this knowledge to scholars from Saudi Arabia, etc., etc. We thought we'd dig a bit deep this evening and we take it way back. Right? And tonight we are discussing this topic of this Sha'aban based upon the book Kitab Al Hawarit Wal Bid'ah, right? The book regarding occurrences and innovations. And this is by the famous scholar of the fifth century, Imam Abu Bakr Muhammad ibn al Walid a Turtushi. So, who was he? He was a scholar that was born in modern day Spain, right? So, he was from uh, Andalus, modern day Spain. And then he became of the scholars of Iskandaria, meaning uh, Alexandra, right, in Egypt. And so he's someone that is well known from amongst the Maliki scholars for his fit and his piety. And so for this reason, we did some research on this topic based upon his book. Because he brings a whole chapter dedicated to this chapter of the Sha'ban. And so he starts off this chapter by mentioning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Hamim. Huruf al-Muqatta'ah, right? No one knows the meaning of this. Some ulama have tried to explain it, but only Allah knows the exact meaning of it. Wal-Kitab al-Mubin, right? The manifest clear book. Inna anzalnahu fi laylatin mubarakah. Inna kunna mundirin. Fiha yufraku kullu amrin hakim. This is in Surah Al-Dukhan, verse 1 to 4. So, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Indeed, we revealed this Qur'an. On a very, very blessed night. Laylatin Mubarakatin. A very, very virtuous and blessed night. 
Inna kunna mundirin. Indeed, we always brought warners or we warned people by way of our revelation, etc. etc. Fiha yufraku kullu amrin hakim. On this night, each and every single important matter is decided and decreed. So both parties with regards to uh, upkeeping this night of Sha'aban have used this verse as a proof. Right? So indeed we reveal this book on a very very blessed night. On this night, each and every single decisive matter is decided. And so people who celebrate this evening, they use many reports and many ahadith that have been reported on this topic. However, majority of the scholars have mentioned that all of these reports are Da'if, they are weak. And from the likes of Sheikh Albani and other scholars, they have said that if you take all of these reports together, it takes this narration to the daraja, to the level of hasan, meaning it is good. Okay? But we will discuss that inshallah. So the people that celebrate this night, they use proof from the Quran ayah and from the hadith as well. So they also use as a proof the hadith on the authority of Ali ibn Abi Talib that he said that the Prophet Muhammad also said when the night of Nishaban occurs establish the night prayer therein and fast that on that particular day for indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven in a manner befitting his majesty فَيَقُولُ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says أَلَا مُسْتَغْفِرُونَ فَأَغْفِرَ لَهُ Is there anyone that seeks forgiveness for me? So that I may forgive him أَلَا مُبْتَلًا فَأُعَافِيَهُ Is there anyone that is facing a calamity? So that I may take him out of this calamity أَلَا مُسْتَرْزِقٌ فَأَرْزُقَهُ Is there anyone that seeks reason for me? So I may fulfill his need and sustain him أَلَا كَذَا أَلَا كَذَا is a slave that sees such a need for me, such a need, حتى يطلق فجر up until صلاة الفجر comes. So they sing that this virtue transpires from the time the sun sets up until fajr. Okay. However, this hadith, which is reported in Ibn Majah, the scholars have mentioned that in its sanad, in its chain of narration, is Ibn Abi Sabra, and he is matruk. Meaning matruk in the science of hadith, he is his hadith is not considered. So this hadith, حكم علي العلماء that it is da'if. And, and weak ahadith we cannot use in acts of worship. And this is the opinion. And the amazing thing about Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that we narrate those things that is in our favor and those things which is against. Because a Muslim must be just. And so we narrate those things that is for us and against. So this is the proof they used and this was the opinion of Ikram, Ikrima Mawla ibn Abbas. Ikrima, the freed slave of Ibn Abbas. And he was Ibn Abbas. He was the one who the Prophet supplicated for. Allahumma allimhu ta'weel. Allahumma faqhu fi din wa allimhu at ta'weel. Oh Allah, grant him comprehension of the religion and teach him interpretation of the Quran. And there was not a single verse except that Ibn Abbas had knowledge of the verse. Where it was revealed, to what was revealed and the fiqh of that ayah. And so, Ikrima said that this ayah, it refers to Laylatun Nis Min Sha'aban. 
So you see it refers to Nishaban. On this night, all matters are decreed. On this night, Allah decrees we will die in the coming year. All those people that will perform Hajj in the coming year, it is written for them. And then no person is increased. So when it comes to the issue of the quota, the quota is actually in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? That should be our aqidah. So no person that is not written to go for Hajj will go for Hajj. And no person that it's not written for him to go, he will not go. Right? So it's not Thaouk's fault. This is the Akhirah of the believer. Another narration that the first party used to prove that this night is virtuous is that the Prophet Muhammad said, تُقْتَعُ الْآجَالُ مِنَ الشَّعْبَانِ إِلَى الشَّعْبَانِ حَتَّى إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَا يَنْكِحُ وَيُولَدْ لَهُ وَلَقَدْ خَرَجَ اسْمُهُ فِي الْمَوْتَى Right? The Prophet said that on this night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides who will die in the coming year. To such an extent that a person, he will marry and he will have a child. He will have a child. However, the year which comes thereafter, it has been decreed for him to die. This narration declared to be weak by Sheikh Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, as well as Ibn Kathir. So if people say, Sheikh Albani is contemporary scholar, why do you use him? Then we say Ibn Kathir. The Ummah has ittifaq, agreement upon the fact that Ibn Kathir is a reliable scholar. So he said that Hadith Mursal wa mislahu la tu'arad fi nusus. He says this type of a hadith that is not authenticated back to the Prophet it's not marfu. If it contradicts a text, then we don't attribute it to the Prophet So that's the second hadith they use. From amongst them also who held this opinion, it was the opinion of Qatada ibn Zayd, Mujahid, and Hassan, and Abdul Rahman al-Sulami, and most of the ulama of Iraq, right? They held the opinion that this ayah, right, referred to Laylatul Qadr. They held the opinion that the ayah we quoted previously, as will become clear, inshallah, it referred to Laylatul Qadr. Why Allah said, Inna anzalna fi Laylatul Mubarakah. This ayah is mubham, meaning it is not entirely clear. Allah says that indeed we revealed on a blessed night. The night is unknown to us. Indeed we are always warning our slaves. On this night each and every single decisive matter is decided. So we know undoubtedly that Allah revealed the Quran way. Allah revealed His book on Laylatul Qadr. When does Laylatul Qadr occur? Occurs in the month of Ramadan, more specifically on the last ten nights of Ramadan, more specifically on the uneven nights of Ramadan. So that ayah, that ayah, that ayah clarifies this ayah, where Allah said that indeed we revealed it on a very, very blessed night. Allah said, Inna anzalna fi Laylatul Qadr. Indeed we reveal this book on the night of Qadr. So this is from this we understand that what this ayah refers to, it is not Nisf Sha'ban, but rather it is the night of decree, which is Laylatul Qadr. And this was the, the opinion of majority of the scholars. And as we said, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we narrate those things that is in our favor and those things which is against us. So Ikrimah, 
the free slave of Ibn Abbas held the opinion that this, this ayah referred, referred to Nish Shaaban. The majority of the scholars said that it actually refers to Laylatul Qadr. And they said that this is Laylatul Qadr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the, the Quran on the night of Qadr. Min ummil kitab ila sama'i dunya. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the book, right? Not piecemeal, but Allah revealed the book in one go to the Baytul Izzah, right? The house of honor. And here the Quran was kept. And then from there it was revealed to the Prophet over a span of 23 years, right? So Allah revealed the Quran in its pristine form in one go on the night of Qadr to the Baytul Izzah, the house of honor. And from there Jibreel and the noble emissaries were charged with taking this wahi to the Prophet Muhammad And so they said that on this night each and every single matter is decreed. On this night of Qadr, your appointed term is decided, meaning how long you will live, when you will die, your actions, whether you'll be shaqi or sa'id, meaning whether you'll be from the successful ones in the akhirah, or you'll be from the ones who are the khasirin, the losers. Also what is written on this night is your rizq, وَمَا يَكُونُ فِي تِلْكَ And everything that will transpire in the coming year. So people gather tonight and they recite a certain dua. And in this dua they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the good things that he has decreed. But we know undoubtedly that this does not refer to Nishaban. It refers to Laylatul Qadr. This is well known. And so Sa'id ibn Jubair was a tabi'i. He said, يُؤْذَنُ لِلْحَاجْ فِي Laylatul Qadr فَيُكْتَبُونَ بِأَسْمَائِهِمْ وَأَسْمَاءِ أَبَائِهِمْ فَلَا يُغَادَرْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدْ وَلَا يُزَادْ وَلَا يُنْقَصْ He said that on this night what is also determined are those people that are accepted for Hajj. We mentioned this previously. Sawq doesn't have no control and acceptability of your Hajj, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees this on the night of Qadr. And then he says their names are written and the names of their fathers are written. فَلَا يُغَادَرْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدْ So none of, no person travels. Right? Wala yuzad. This quota it's not increased. Wala yunqas. No, it doesn't decrease. It is decided by Allah. Uh, Hilal ibn Ibn Isaf said, In Tadirul Qadafi Shahri Ramadan. He said, anticipate the night of decree in the month of Ramadan. So without a shadow of a doubt, we know that tonight is not the night of decree, as many people have claimed. And the greatest proof for this is the verse we have quoted, right? In reality, when you do an analysis of the proofs that people bring, then they have no foot to stand on. Because Allah, firstly, when it comes to the science of tafsir, we do tafsir of Qur'an by way of Qur'an. So, Allah revealed the Qur'an and explained the Qur'an in certain verses. Thereafter, we go to the Sunnah of the Prophet He explains the Qur'an. And then we go to the statements of the companions. So this verse... It is clear in its proof that this is not the night of decree, but rather this refers to Laylatul Qadr. Ibn Wadah al-Qurtubi was also a scholar from Spain. He said that Zayd ibn Aslam said, Ma adrakna ahadan min mashaykhatina wala fuqahaina yaltafituna ila nismin sha'ban wala yaltafituna ila hadith makhul now this is very important. He said, we did not come across any of our scholars. We did not come across any of our scholars 
know any of our jurors that used to turn to the virtue of this night. Meaning they never saw that there was a virtue that this particular night had. And inshallah we'll get to that for Idina. So this was their opinion. And uh, even Wadah al-Qurtubi was an early scholar also. Right? He was, uh, I think, 4th century scholar. He went on to say, وَلَا يَلْتَفِتُونَ إِلَى حَدِيثٍ مَقْحُولٍ Nor did they avert their attention to the hadith of Maqhul. Because the hadith of Maqhul that relates to the night of Nishaban, it is also weak. وَلَا يَرَوْنَ لَا فَضْلًا أَلَى مَا سِوَاهَا And they never saw it as a virtuous night in relation to all the other nights. Because what makes this night special is, as we said in the beginning, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the, low, to the lowest heaven. And then Allah forgives each and every single person on this night except a mushahi, a person that harbors animosity and hatred for his Muslim brother or sister. The mushrik, the person that is tripartite with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship, or in another nation he mentions a murderer. So on this night, the only virtue that has been reported it is this virtue. Okay? So as we said, we narrate those things that is in our favor and those things that is against us. Ibn Abi Mulaika said regarding this night, Inna ziyadan an-numayri yaqulu Inna ajra laylat min sha'ban ka ajri laylat al-qadr Right? So this person said, that Ibn Abi Mulaika said, that ziyad an-numayri said, that verily the night of Nisha'ban, it is equivalent in reward to the night of Qadr. And so what did Ibn Abi Mulaika say? He said, فَقَالْ لَوْ سَمِعْتُ لَوْ سَمِعْتُ وَبِيَّدِي أَصَنْ لَدَرَبْتُ فَهِمْتُمْ He said, that had I heard him after the statement, he equated the night of Nisha'ban to that of Laytul Qadr. He said, that I heard him with my own ears, and in my hand I had a stick, I would beat him with it. And this, I'm saying we're laughing, but this is how the early scholars were when it came to innovation in the name of Allah. They were very severe. So today we have people that are maybe severe in their speech when talking out against innovations and warning people. But in the time when the Sunnah was strong, if people opposed the Sunnah, then they would get beaten with a stick. Right? Like we, corporal uh, punishment, falaka. But this is of a, of a worse type, right? So he said, لَوْ سَمِعْتُهُ وَبِيَّدِ أَفْوًا لَدَرَبْتُهُ Had I heard him utter the statement and in my hand I had a stick, I would have beaten him with a stick. So this is how the early scholars, the Talaf, reacted to innovations in the deen of Allah. And in essence people are equating this night to the night of decree. Because they are saying that on this night, Allah decrees the year to come, whatever will transpire. So in essence they are equating this night to the night of decree. And the proof for the authenticity of this state of this opinion, the opinion that this ayah, which we quote in the beginning, refers to Laylatul Qadr, is where Allah said, "Inna anzalna fi Laylatul Qadr." Remember the first ayah we said in Surah Al-Duqan, Allah mentioned, "Inna anzalna fi Laylatul Mubarak." Allah said that indeed we revealed it. It referring to the Quran on a blessed night. And then Allah makes this clear in his book. He says that indeed we revealed it on the night of Qadr. So there is no doubt left on the, per- on, on the part of the person to use this as a proof for the night of Nisha'aban. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said 
regarding this verse that inna anzalna fi laylati mubarakatin that Allah revealed the Quran jumlatan wahida right in one go on the night of Qadr to the lawh al-mahfuz in the sama'i dunya in the lowest heaven right the preserved tablet right Allah revealed the Quran to the lowest heaven and there it was preserved fawudi'a fi bayt al-izza and it was placed in the lowest heaven in the house of Izza, the house of honor. And then Jibreel, he wrote it out on the preserved tablet. And then Jibreel descended with his wahi to the Prophet, meaning mutafarriqan, uh, right? Over a period of time. And we said the period of time was 23 years. And so when we read this ayah and Allah mentions Mubarak, what is understood by this? Right? Uh, the scholar mentions, he says, وَإِنَّمَا الْبَرَكَةُ مِنْ خَصَائِسِ لَيْنْ That Barakah also in this ayah, it is of the specialities of the night of Qadr. Why? Because it is greater than a thousand months. So from that point of view, that ayah also is clarified that the night of blessing is Laylatul Qadr. And also, what comes from the word baraka also is that it take it, it, it comes from the word taqdeer or the word qadr taqdeer to decree on this night each and everything is decided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he mentions that this night is a great night, a night of honor, and a night which has a great place in the hearts of the believers. And he gives example for this. He says, Min kawlika rajulun lahu qadr. If I say Wasim lahu qadr. This means, yani lahu sha'an. He has like a great status. Lahu baraka. Okay. And another way we can put this in the proper context, we can say qadartu fulana, right? That I basically saw this person to be honourable, meaning avamtu, meaning I made him honourable, right? I saw him to be an honourable person, so I gave him taqdeer, meaning I gave recognition to him. So in essence. Al-Dhamtuhu Right, I made him I made him great And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَمَا قَدْرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِي Right, meaning مَا أَظَمُوا اللَّهَ Right, they did not recognize Allah Azza wa Jal As he ought to be recognized And so this meaning Qadr comes with the meaning of Sharaf, nobility, greatness And something which is of importance Okay, and so this is the opinion of majority of the scholars that this ayah reveals, it refers to Laytul Qadr. And so it was said, because لِأَنَّ كُلَّ عَمَلٍ صَالِحٍ يُوجَدْ فِيهَا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِ يَكُونُ ذَا الْقَدْرِ كِيمَةٍ إِنَّ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لِأَنَّهُ مَقْبُولٍ Another reason why this night is seen to be virtuous, because on this night the believers engage in an array of righteous actions. So every single righteous action is found in this night. And for this night, it is, it is called the night of, of blessing, of barakah. Uh, it is also said, Summiyat bidhalik, it has been called the night of Qadr, لِأَنَّ مَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ ذَا قَدْرٍ وَخَطْرٍ يَصِيرُ فِي هَذِي اللَّيْلَةِ ذَا قَدْرٍ وَخَطْرٍ إِذَا أَحْيَا It has also been named the night of Qadr, the night of Sha'an, the night of importance, the night of honor and nobility because the person that he 
for example, a sinner, and he does not abstain from the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on this night, if he changes his life, he becomes a person of status. And so for this reason, it's also named the night of Qadr. And so this almost clarifies to us the fact that this refers to the night of Qadr, right? And it doesn't refer to Layla in Sha'ban. The second matter we need to discuss is the fact that we have established that there is a virtue, a virtue attached to this night. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He forgives each and every single believer except a mushahin, a mushrik, or a killer, right? He doesn't forgive the person that ascribes party with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship, nor does he forgive a person that harbors animosity and hatred, so people sitting around the messenger, uh, forgive me for initial comments, etc., etc. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive the murderer on this night, except if they did tawbah for their sins. So the fact that we have established some virtue for this night, does this mean we should celebrate this night in unison? That we gather in a masjid, that we recite Yasin three times, that we recite a special dua of which is not transmitted to the Prophet Does this mean we should do that or not? Right, that we will discuss now inshaAllah. Hafid ibn Rajab ta'ala, was a 7th century scholar from amongst the Hanabila. He said in his book, Lataif al Ma'arif, he said, so he mentioned that on the night of Nishaban, a group from amongst the Tabi'un, right, those who follow the companions of righteousness, from the people of Sham, meaning Levant, Jordan, Syria, Palestine, like Khalid ibn Mi'adan, wa Maqhul, wa Luqman ibn Amir, and other than them, they used to see this night as a very, very great night and important night. fiha fil ibadah, and they used to exert themselves in worship on this night. And from them, people took this practice. They took the virtue of this night from them, and they started giving importance to this night. وَقَدْ كِيلْ And it has been said regarding this إِنَّهُ بَلَغَهُمْ فِي ذَلِكَ آثَارُ إِسْرَائِيلِيَةِ Right? And they, they based the understanding that this night is virtuous They based it upon the tales of the Bani Israel Now when it comes to the tales of Bani Israel The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said حَدِّثُوا وَلَا حَرَجِ He said transmit it and there is no harm upon you However if these tales from the, the, the children of Israel Goes against the Quran and the Sunnah then we don't, we don't look at it, we don't use it as a proof. In fact, it's not a proof, right? But you can narrate it for virtue and so on. So they, Mustanad, what they use as a proof to establish the status virtuous was a, a tale from the children of Bani Israel. And then it became famous after them, and then the people differed with regards to this matter. Whether this night was virtuous or, or not, or whether you should establish worship in jama'ah or not. وَأَنْكَرَ ذَلِكَ أَكْثَرُ الْعُلَمَاءِ الْحِجَازِ Most of the scholars of Hijaz, Makkah and Medina, uh, negated this practice. From amongst them was Atah ibn Abi Mulaika and Abdul Rahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam. As well as the Fuqa of Medina, they all saw that this action, قَالُوا ذَلِكَ كُلُّوا بِدَعَ They said that all of these actions, of people gathering on this night 
exerting himself in worship and calling others to do this, he said, All of these practices are innovations in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we see a group of tabi'een uh, taking the opinion that it was working. However, most of the scholars in their time, from the people of Hijaz, Makkah, Medina, the people of Iraq, they saw it to be what? They saw it to be innovation. So this is very early, like happening in the first century of Islam, that they are already differing on this matter. But majority of the scholars said that to exert yourself in worship on this night is an innovation. Then the scholars also differ that if you are of the opinion that you can establish worship on this night, they differ as to how you should do it. So say we accept the fact that this night is virtuous. What then? How do we establish worship on this night? So a group of the scholars, they have two opinions with regards to this matter. They said it is recommended to liven up this night in congregation in the masajid. And this was the opinion of the tabi'i Khalid ibn Mi'adan and Yusuf Duqman ibn Amir. And other than them, they used to wear their best of apparel on this night. And your best of apparel is one, mashaAllah. And they used to yatabakharun. They would wear their best of perfume, bakhur. And they would yaktahilun. They would put in kuhl, right? Surma as we commonly refer to it. And they would establish worship in the masajid on this specific night. And Ishaq ibn Rahuya was from amongst the great scholars of the Tabi'in. He was also in conformity with his opinion and he supported that he established worship on this night in the masjid. And as we said, that basically he established the fact that this night is virtuous. The scholars differ as to how you establish worship on this night. Do you do it in Jama'ah or not? So the first opinion is recommended to do it in Jama'ah. And this is the opinion, as we said, of Luqman ibn Amir and Khalid ibn Mi'adan was amongst the Tabi'in. As well as Ishaq ibn Rahuya was a great hadith fan. This is his opinion as well. And they said, Fi kiyamiya fil masjid, laysa dhalika bibida. As for establishing worship in the masajid on this night, it is not an innovation. Okay? And this is the opinion of Tabi'in. The second opinion is, أَنَّهُ يُقْرَى الْإِجْتِمَا فِيهَا فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ لِلصَّلَاةِ وَالْقَصَصِ وَالْدُعَاءِ وَلَا يُقْرَى أَنْ يُصَلِّ الرَّجُلْ فِيهَا خَاصَةً لِخَاصَةِ نَفْسِهِ The second opinion is that it is detested and when the, when the, the ulama of the salaf say detested they mean haram. Makruh, when the salaf use the term makruh, they refer to it to be haram. So they saw it haram to gather in the masajid on this night. For what reasons? to establish prayer, to recite stories and tales, and to gather for dua, as the people do in our times. And it is not detested for a person to pray by himself, right, in his home, on the side. And this is the opinion of Awza'i, who was the Imam of Sham in his time, and he was the Alim. And this opinion is closer towards al-sawab, and sawab is that which is correct. Right? This opinion is closer towards that which is coming in the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Why? Because had this been a common practice amongst the Tabi'een, or amongst the Sahaba, or the Prophet established worship on this night, then undoubtedly the companions would have done it, 
and that will be transmitted to the to the tabi'i, and by way of that will be transmitted to us. But the fact that it hasn't been transmitted to us means that there is no virtue in doing it. In the form that people do it in our time, in the masjid, reciting three yasin, reciting a special dua of which I don't know what the origin of it is, but if you look at the wording of it, it's an erroneous dua. The wording of it is an erroneous dua. So where's the proof for this? Because we said that the tabi'in, they saw that he establishes in jama'ah, in a masjid, prayer, etc., etc. But as for the three yasin, where's the precedence for that? As a foundation on this topic, we cannot stipulate anything in the deen except by way of proof. We can't give anything virtue except by way of proof. We can't say that you must read Yasin three times except if it is a dalil shari, except if it is a proof in our sharia. Because you won't find a single hadith that discusses the fact that you must recite Yasin on this law. So people will come with their own interpretations and they will come with their false evidences. But like we said, when you analyze the evidences closely, you'll find that they have no foot to stand on. And so, the majority of scholars, you see there's two opinions with regard to, to uh, livening up this night with acts of worship. One opinion is that you do it in a jama'ah. Second opinion is that you do it by yourself in your house. Is that majority of the ulama, that they have agreement upon the fact that it is detested and haram to gather in the masajid on this night of Mishkaaban. For prayer, for dua, and for livening up this night, each and every single year, ala sabili mudawama, meaning that they do this every year. Every year they do three yasin. Every year they do this dua. Every year they give a talk. This is a bid'ah in the deed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for a prayer, if a person wants to establish prayer on this night by himself, or in a congregation, khasa, a specific congregation, he calls some of his friends, he says, okay, Let's pray Qiyamu Layl in my house tonight. Then the ulama with regard to this matter, and they also have two opinions. So the first matter was that we said undoubtedly this night does not refer to the night of decree. Laylat Nishaban is not the night of decree, it is Laylat Luqadr. The second opinion is that we say that if this night has a virtue, and it has a specific virtue we mentioned, that Allah does not forgive who? Mushahin a person that harbors animosity for his Muslim brothers and sisters, the mushrik, a person that is part of Allah in worship, or a murderer. So we establish that virtue for this night. Then the scholars further differ as to how you must live in Africa. You said scholars from the Tabi'in said you must do it in a masjid, in a jama'ah. And the second opinion is that you shouldn't do it in a jama'ah, you should do it by yourself. Then, if we say that you can establish a virtue, how must you do it? Again, once again, the ulama have two opinions. They say, firstly, that if a person wants to pray by himself, they say, Anna bid'ah. Right? They say, this is the innovation. This is the opinion of majority of the scholars of Hijaz, which is Makkah and Medina, from amongst him, Atah and Ibn Abi Mulaika. And they were from amongst the, the Tabi'in. And this has also been transmitted from the Fuqaha, the jurist of Medina, and this is the opinion of Imam Malik himself, right? The four Imams who we all claim to follow, this is the opinion of 
the Maliki scholars. Is anybody a Maliki here? There is Maliki in Kaisham, by the way. So like they always say, we follow the opinions of the, of the Madhab. So this is the opinion of your Madhab. This is the opinion of your Maliki. And he says that establishing worship on this night, it is an innovation. If you pray and saying by yourself on this night, it's an innovation. The second opinion is that it is not detested for a person to pray by himself in his house or in a jama'ah. And this is on the night of Nifta Aban. And this is the opinion of Awza'i, was also from Tabi'in, Waqtiyar al Hafid ibn Rajab. And the opinion of Ibn Rajab al Hanbali rahimahullah ta'ala, as well as Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Right, he's seen as a figure in this da'wah of the Salaf and the da'wah of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. He also held the opinion that if you establish salah on this night by yourself or in a group amongst your brothers and sisters, it is permissible. However, this scholar, the author of this book, he said, indi a'lam ma awwal anna bid'ah. He said, uh, what has become clear to him after looking at the evidences and looking at both opinions of both parties, he says, he goes to the first opinion that establishing worship on this night is an innovation. For what reason? He gives a number of reasons. He says, firstly, that there is not a proof to prove the virtue of this night. That's number one. And it has not been established according to his limited research from the Prophet ﷺ that the Prophet ﷺ himself established worship on this night. وَلَا أَنْ أَحَدْ مِنْ أَصْحَابِي Nor from any of his companions Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Ibn Abbas and the likes of them There is no single report to prove the fact that they did anything specific on this night Nor from the Tabi'een Except for that which has been uh, famously reported From Khalid ibn Mi'adan And he said Luqman ibn Amir These were two of the Tabi'een That basically initiated this practice And then other people took this virtue from them and then they established it as a night of nobility. Uh, Hafiz Abu Khattab ibn Dahiyya, he said in his book, Ma Jafi Shahri Sha'aban, that which has been reported with regards to the month of Sha'aban, that the people who study the narrations of the Prophet Ahlu Ta'adir wa Tajrih, those who grade the narrations, لَيْسَ فِي فَضْلِ مِنْ شَعْبَانِ حَدِيثٍ صَحِيحٌ He said that there is not a single hadith in relation to Sha'aban which is sahih. In the beginning we said that all of the narrations that have been mentioned, it is either munkar, rejected, or it is ta'if, or it is fabricated. However, Shaykh Al-Bani says that if you take off all these hadith together, with all of the different chains of narration, etc., etc., it comes to the level of hasan, meaning it's, it takes the, the ruling of good. However, with regard to establishing specific acts of worship, there is no proof for it. Um, Ibn Rajab said that establishing this night of the Sha'aban has not been authentically reported back to the Prophet. And he is the one who narrated this practice of the Tabi'in in his book, La Ta'iful Ma'arif. Know from his companions. وَثَبَتَ فِيَا أَنْ طَائِفَةِ مِنَ التَّابِئِينَ وَمِنْ أَعْيَانِ فُقَاءَ أَهْلِ الشَّامِ It's only been reported from some of the tabi'een. Now when we look at Islamic legal theory, usul al-fiqh, how we come to rulings, there is four proofs that is agreed upon by Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah that we agree that we can use as hujjah. 
What are they? Quran, the Sunnah, Ijma, consensus of the scholars of the Sahaba, and then Qiyas and So Allah prohibits Khamar in the Quran. People say Allah did not prohibit uh, Takha, etc., etc. But each and every single intoxicant is a Khamar, and every Khamar is Haram. So that's analogy. So these are the four levels of proof that is agreed upon by Ahl-Sunnah the opinion of a tabi'i, the opinion or statement of a tabi'i, a successor of the Sahaba, it is never ever a proof in our view. So there is no shadow of a doubt that what the people use as a proof, they're going to use the fact that Khali ibn Mi'adan and Luqman ibn Amir celebrated this night. Then in essence it is not actually a proof. Right? Because we are ordered to follow Allah. Allah says, Qul Allah. Allah says, Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Allah says that if you dispute with regard to any matter in your religion, aqidah, ibadah, akhlaq, azkar, etc., etc., what Allah say? Refer it back to Allah and His Messenger. Back to the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and back to the Sunnah of the Prophet after his demise and during his lifetime. We refer it back to him directly. So this is how we deal with matters of dispute in our deen, is we refer it back to Allah and His Messenger. And when we do this, we will come to the conclusion that this night has a virtue, and whosoever is not from amongst these three people, he will be forgiven. However, establishing this night, as the people do, as you can see tonight, Cape Town, is a ghost town, right? This complex is very quiet. Shops are closed. Why? Because people believe that this night is a virtuous night. And you see in the beginning, is that if you ask some of the youth now, why do you go to the masjid on this night? They say, we don't know. My father did it, his father did it, so we're just doing it. And that's how ignorance will spread. It's like the snowball effect. It starts off small, it's a small innovation. And what happens with the, with, with the snowball as it gets momentum? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is the effect of innovation in our society. That no bid'ah gets introduced in our society except the like of a sunnah gets removed. We take for example, after salah, the Prophet told us to do adhkar and not to do it in unison, in jama'ah, but to do it by yourself and to recite ayatul kursi after every salah. Why? Because whosoever does this, nothing stands in his way from obtaining jannah except, except death. So we do this. Uh, congregational dua which is not prescribed you should do adhkar and people up until this very day they have not memorized these supplications and what happens is that the like of a sunnah gets removed so the people now have left the sunnah of adhkar after salah and when you come to the people now you tell them you know that this is what you're doing it's not from the sunnah of the prophet they'll tell you that you're coming with bid'ah right but in essence that actually they are doing is innovation we don't say the people are innovators that's a topic of a discussion on its own. The action they are doing is innovation and they are unaware. And ignorance is widespread. And how will ignorance spread? When there is a lack of knowledge. And also from amongst the ashrat of the sa'a, from the signs of the hour is that Allah or the Prophet said that Allah will not remove knowledge. Allah will not remove knowledge by raising knowledge up in one go. But rather Allah will remove knowledge by taking away the true scholars of this ummah. Us in essence sitting in this position, we are not scholars. We are simply relaying to you 
the speech of the scholars. We are students of knowledge, insha'Allah. So Allah will remove the ulama. Hatta lam yubqi aliman. Up until such a time that not a single learned scholar remains. Right? Ittakhadu nasa ru'usan ju'ala. The people will take. The people will take the ignorant as leaders. Right? Fasu'ilu. These people will be asked questions. Fa'aftata will be ghayri ilmin. They will give fatwa without any knowledge. Fadallu wa adallu. They will be misguided and they will misguide others. And this is the reality in these times. The reality of the callers to the fire of Jahannam. Right? We're not labeling any specific individual. But whenever you take knowledge, it's an important matter. Ibn Sirin rahimahu wa ta'ala said, Inna hadha ilmun deenun fanduru amman ta'akhuduna deenakum. You see that verily this knowledge that you see. It is your religion, right? Your Jannah and your Nar is based upon this. It's not something haphazard or something trivial. So look as to whom you take your knowledge from. You must be sure that you take your knowledge from students of knowledge who have studied the scholars and who have studied the scholars of the Sunnah. Because in these times, many people are claiming scholarship. People study one year, right? At Medina uh, Institute, intensive. Uh, and they, they say they're big scholars in Cape Town. That's the reality. So a person, they say it's an intensive study course. You study Aqidah, Arabic. Never in the history of Al-Islam has a scholar been produced in one year. Let alone six years, let alone ten years. Scholarship is a life. It's a life, a long pursuit. You don't, you don't see scholarship. But Talibul Ilm is something that, that they believe it does his entire life. So we have the charlatans that come to our shores now. And they claim to be from the... Descendants of the Prophet and they come with certain practices which is foreign to our people. Adkar by beating the drum, Adkar by way of the Burda, Qasida. When you look at the wording of it, it contains Shirkiyah, it contains Shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they think that this is, you know, we praise in the Prophet and we are from his descendants and we have our chain. Like we say, for example, if any person came in our time, and I know they have this practice, they call it the Ba Mubarak. Where some people claim that they have the year of the Prophet right in the mus. It's possible they can have the year of the Prophet but like we say, when it comes to the narrations, we have a chain of narration that goes back to the Prophet So if you are truthful and you claim that this is the year of the Prophet they bring us a chain of narration back to the Prophet. So even if it is the year of the Prophet, and if it is established it is the year of the Prophet, we can see blessings by it, right? We can put it in water, we can see shifa with it. Uh, certain scholars. Uh, they put in their wasiyah, I think Imam Ahmad has some of the other Prophet and he, he asks his, his, his um, students to bury him with the other Prophet If it is established that it is the other Prophet you can do that. But Shaykh Al-Bani says that for you to leave this and to see it as a doubtful matter is better for you because in essence you don't actually know whether it is or not. So coming back to the point is that these people claim certain things that are descendants of the Prophet and for this reason, we accept everything they say. But the Messenger of Allah والسلام, said that the person that is held back by his actions will not be brought forth by way of his nasab. And he said that at Fatima binti Muhammadin Sarakat, that if she had stolen, then I would have established the had on her, meaning I would have cut off her hand. Meaning that he would not be able to intercede for her when it came to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law. So these people come here and they say, the sins of the Prophet and this is the claim of each and every single Sufi 
right? That they, this is their claim to fame, that we are descendants of the Prophet But they come with actions that is not in conformity with the Sunnah of the Prophet In essence, being from the family of the Prophet will never ever benefit you. So this is something of extreme uh, importance that we, we, we need to look as to where we take our knowledge from. So this matter, as many people have gathered this evening to celebrate this, this night, I think uh, from what we've discussed tonight in this book, Kitab uh, Hawarith Wal Bid'ah, by Imam Abu Bakr Muhammad ibn al-Walid al-Tartushi, who died in the year 520, was a scholar of Andalus, modern-day Spain. He wrote the entire chapter dedicated to this topic, Faslun, uh, the chapter regarding the Muntasifi Sha'ban. And we discussed this from his point of view, because as many people say that, you know, uh, these people, they come with the statements of the Saudi scholars, contemporary scholars, uh, what were scholars upon them before that? We've discussed that here this evening. Imam Tartushi is a scholar of the 5th century. And we mentioned the statements of the Tabi'i and the scholars of Iraq and the scholars of Sham. And we've narrated that which is in our favor and that which is against us. Because this is a salient feature of the people of the Sunnah. Is that we narrate that which is for us and against us. And the people of innovation, they only narrate that which is in their favor. Okay, but from the justness of a Muslim and a follower of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah is that he narrates that which is for him and against him. So we pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us and that he makes us a means of guidance for those who seek guidance. Because many people will hear about this, will send out reminders regarding the misconceptions of this night, but not many people will conform. And that's how the Prophet Sallallahu made a dua. He said, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqaw warzukna tiba'a. He said, Oh Allah, show us the truth for what it is and grant us the ability to follow it. وَأَرِنَا بَاطِلًا بَاطِلًا وَرْزُكِنَا جِسِنَابًا And show us falsehood for what it is and grant us the ability to abstain from it. And this is the believing essence. He says, لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا كُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ There is no power, no movement except with Allah. You don't have the ability to take one step except by the leave of Allah. Similarly, we have no ability to move towards guidance except with Allah grants you that ability. And you have no ability to abstain from misguidance except with Allah wills you to abstain from misguidance. So tonight we diverted a bit away from our usual discussion which is Tawheed. And of course revolves around this every week. But in essence this is a matter which concerns a believer. It is part of his Tawheed. Because for us to legislate in the deed to say something is virtuous and something is not virtuous, that is legislation. Only Allah and His Messenger can do that. So we hope that uh, tonight's uh, talk was clear, inshallah, and that Allah forgives us for our shortcomings, and that He guides us all, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.